Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. of you, as uh, the kids are being dismissed for children's church, take your Bibles and open up to Genesis chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you, and uh, it's right at the very beginning, all right? Not hard to find. And uh, church family, uh, I just have to say, I am super pumped for a couple reasons. The first one is uh, it's been about four weeks since uh, I've been uh, able to just be up here and share God's word with you uh, for good reason. And uh, that being, the, the reason for that being, something I want to celebrate is the fact that uh, we have multiple gifted shepherds in our church family who can clearly articulate and deliver the word of God to you at any given time. And the reason I I praise the Lord for this is because a church that is fixated on a earthly being as that which they set their sights on or the reason they come to a gathering of, of the church is in severe danger because uh, I could be gone tomorrow. And what I am so excited about the fact that we have multiple brothers in Christ who can stand up here and clearly and boldly declare the truth of God's word is because that means the ministry here at Ephraim rooted in the word of God is not dependent on me. And that is something we should celebrate and encourage. And so when you see someone else up here teaching, it's because I want to move those people into a place where they are teaching. But I also want you to recognize that the movement of the church should not be rooted in who I am. It should be rooted in who we are And what our focus corporately is, which should be the lasting eternal word of God. So I want to celebrate that. Um, The other reason I'm really excited, uh, other than just being able to share God's word with you, is because we're starting Genesis. And this is going to be where we are at for the rest of the year. And uh, we're going to take this a couple chapters at a time as we navigate this. Uh, now, what you're going to discover is, uh, maybe you have been in a church that's gone through Genesis before. Um, what I have noticed is there's a tendency when we go, go through a large book of the Bible like Genesis, we can easily get stuck in the weeds and miss the entirety of the narrative here that is the whole of Genesis. And I've sat in places before where uh, we spend four weeks on Genesis 1. Um, We're not going to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But I want us to pan back 
and get a large outside view of the whole of Genesis with a focus on who is God. Who is God in the book of Genesis? Now, as you came in, we might have run out, I don't know, hopefully you got a card that looks somewhat like this, okay? And on one side it says, slow down to hear from God, and on the other it says, four cues, four questions. Uh, If you didn't get one of these, I will have more next week. Um, Just so I get an idea, is there people here who didn't get one that want one? So I have an idea. Okay, there is a handful of people. Um, I will have more available next week. Um, Oh, do you have some, Eric? Okay, keep your hand up. We'll get to whatever we have. Try to get people those if you can. I'm not sure how many we have. Um, Here's why I'm giving you this. Uh, Ephesians 4.12 says God has given pastors and teachers, uh, prophets, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. If your knowledge of God's word is solely dependent on someone like me standing up here and teaching it to you, you are missing out on a great treasure And that treasure being your own ability to understand the Word of God and navigate how it applies to your own life. And so throughout this series, I want to train you to study God's Word on your own or in a group setting. That would be even better. Uh, Those of you who are married, I want to encourage you after we go through the message on Sunday, use that as a template for uh, doing devotions together with your spouse or with your kids. Um, This is uh, able to be answered by any age. And here's how the format goes with this. I'm going to do just, this is a brief training, okay, segue, and then we'll jump into Genesis. You're going to navigate this slow down to hear section first. And within that, you're going to answer these four questions. So question number one on this, or the first task is highlight. So you read through the text and you highlight a specific verse or phrase from the passage that sticks out to you. Okay, highlight it, write it down. That's going to be where you focus. Then you could take some time to share with each other what stood out to you in this. And why? Why did this stand out to you? Now, the next thing is explain. Okay, I'm going to highlight that I'm going to explain. This is where I'm going to answer the four questions. And they're really simple. Who is God? What has he done? Who am I? And how should I live? Now, if you journal, this is a great journal template. Write these questions down and answer them underneath. If you'd rather use a mobile device and type it out, do that, okay? You're going to actually look at the text through an interpretive lens that answers those four questions. The third thing is applying this. So we don't jump to applying this until we've already navigated explaining or seeking to understand it. And that's ask the question, what is God saying to me? And write down the response. And then the last thing is you write down what you need to say to God in prayer, all right? So I just want to encourage you, don't let these texts sit after Sunday. Dive into them. Jump into God's word and do it with people you love, people you're already in community with. If you aren't already studying the Bible with people, ask the question, who could I invite in to do that? And you don't need something special to do that. You have something very special. It's the word of God. So take time, I just want to challenge you with that, take time um, 
to utilize that. And we want to equip you to do that well. Um, I could think of no greater thing um, apart from choosing to follow Jesus than you to recognize that you don't need someone else to interpret and teach God's word to you all the time. You can open it and read it and glean from it every day. Take hold of that, all right? Now, what I want to do is uh, I want to pray, and then um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you a, a brief background on Genesis, and then we're going to go through chapters 1 and 2 today, okay? We're not going to go through the entirety of it, picking it apart, but we're going to step into that and see uh, who is God, and how can we be encouraged and reminded of who God is in the midst of the beginning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray that as we step into this time, that you would open our eyes to see more clearly who you've revealed yourself to be all around us. God, as we unpack stories of faithful saints who followed after you long ago, may we be encouraged that you do not change even when we falter. God, may we be motivated and equipped to live as you have called us to, to walk in obedience to your word for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now the book of Genesis is the first of five books known as the Pentateuch. I'm going to get you all to say that, all right? So everyone say Pentateuch. Okay, so that is a big term that simply refers to the first five books of the Old Testament. Now, when we think about who wrote these words down, uh, there's a couple frames of thought, but at the end of the day, the most consistently backed up view of who wrote the words of the Pentateuch is Moses. And in fact... Here is a bunch of scripture passages that reinforce that evidence, right? So I don't want you to just think, oh, Pastor Matt told me that Moses is the most likely author or writer of these books. I want you to take a picture of this, all right? If you've got your phone, you can take a picture of it, and you can go and read these for yourself and understand the Bible itself reveals this truth, and that's why we stand on that. Now, uh, Obviously, you could get to the end of the first five books of the Old Testament and you see the words written that, uh, and Moses died. He did not write those words, okay? Unless it was prophetic in nature. I, I can't say directly if he wrote that down and then was, uh, we don't know, but more than likely a scribe penned those words at the end. So I had, I had a brother in Christ who said, well, no, he didn't write all of it, Okay. Yes, thank you, Caden. <laughs> so, keep that in mind. Now, as we step into this, uh, I want you to know my aim in this, as I spoke about before, is to pan out and look at the broad view of Genesis with a desire to understand better who God is and what is his redemptive plan throughout not only Genesis, but the entirety of Scripture. And I'm, I'm curious, how many of you... Um, have read through the whole of Genesis before? 
How many of you? How many of you haven't read through the whole of Genesis? And don't be shy about this. I've several people, and in fact, I had several people come to me and say, uh, unfortunately, this is the first time I've read through Genesis. And I went, that's not a bad thing. You, you read through Genesis, okay? Um, I want you to fall in love with, bol- with the whole of Scripture. Um, how many of you, I'm curious, how many of you recognize that most of the time it seems like churches spend more time in the New Testament than they do the Old Testament? Okay? We, that, that's a problem. Um, uh, that's why we're, we're seeking to spend a large portion of time this year in the Old Testament. Um, we believe the whole counsel of God's word is inspired by God. All of it. Even Song of Solomon. Okay? Someday, we're going to go through that book together because it's in God's word. We, we, my, my life goal, this is a little bit about me, my life goal is to preach through every single book of the Bible. And I pray the Lord gives me breath in my lungs to be able to do that and accomplish that. Because it's so rich and what you will discover as you study the whole of God's word is that every piece of it tells the same message. That God is all-powerful and sovereign over all things and he created man in his image. Man tainted his image by pursuing sin and the rest of the story is God's faithful pursuit of man to draw him back to himself out of a longing to be in relationship with mankind by which we step into and see God give his only son Jesus so that if you believe in the name of Jesus to be saved, you will indeed be saved and one day spend eternity with God. That's the message of the Bible. And I hope and pray that we see that in Genesis. Now, if you get nothing else out of today, here's what I want you to hold on to in these first two chapters of Genesis, and it's this. The greatest hope... For the earth and everything in it is the simple truth that God is. The greatest hope for the earth and everything in it is the simple truth that God is. And you might be sitting here thinking, God is what? God is. And we're going to unpack that here in a minute. Now, as we read God's word... Um, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to read the whole chapter one. We're going to stand in honor of God's word and read this together. And you can follow along. If you're online with us, I'm going to invite you to stand as well. I can't prove that you are, but I'm going to challenge you to do it. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. 
And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered under the heavens, be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which their seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kind. And it was so. Verse 25, God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in it, in its fruit. You shall have them for food. To every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and be seated. There was a day uh, 
last year uh, where we received a phone call uh, from a young man who was really searching. And uh, he was really interested in the Christian faith and wondered if he could talk to someone. And uh, so I asked this young man if he would come in and meet with me. And he did several times. Uh, And as we sat down in my office and we talked, he he really wrestled with uh, what is true? And is there anything that's true? And the first question that I asked him was, do you believe God exists? He said, I don't know. So, okay, let's look around us and think about any evidence we might see for the existence of God. As we went through and talked through creation and talked through the intricacies of the human body, something as simple as the construct of a cell, organisms that are, make up every single thing around you. By the time he left that day, he went, There has to be a God. God has to exist. And the question that followed that was, if God exists, then who is God? We spent a few more times meeting and talking about that. At the end of the day, the very root of our theology and the very word theology depends on the reality of answering the question for yourselves, do you believe God exists or not? In fact, when it comes to what unites us together as the church, uh, we profess that what unites us together is the recognition that we all need Jesus. That's true. But even the very understanding of what has been given to us in Christ begins with the mutual recognition that God exists. As we step into Genesis 1 and 2, this is the very truth That Genesis 1 in particular communicates. In the beginning, God. God is. Many people over centuries have tried to understand and fully figure out how is this possible that there is a God who is not created who creates. And there's many theories that surround and try to explain away how the world could have come to be apart from this uncreated beginning point. And I have to just tell you, this is a personal statement that I really believe it takes significantly more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe in a God who exists and created all things. It takes significantly more faith for me to believe all this just happened to be. And I have yet to encounter, I've had many conversations with many people on that side of the spectrum, and they cannot to this day give me a clear answer of how can your logical mind understand the world just came into existence. We believe fully that Genesis says, in the beginning, God existed. God alone existed in perfect community with himself. Now, we could spend the whole time talking about arguments for this. I'm not going to do that. If you ever want to talk about that, come talk to me. Let's talk, okay? But what I want to identify in this text as we go through it, who, who is God? What, what is he doing in the midst of this? And coming back to this place of understanding that the greatest hope for the earth and everything in it is the simple truth that God is. First off, 
God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, just a side interpretive note here. When you read the word heaven in Scripture, it doesn't always signify uh, the, the eternal dwelling of those who are in Christ. In fact, the word heaven can also be translated sky. So when we think about the created world, in the beginning, God created, God created everything above and everything below. God created the heavens and the earth. God existed outside, exists outside of time and space, and it is by his sovereign will and purpose that all things came into existence. Now, to emphasize this even further, um, I've got several people who are going to read scripture passages, and I want, we're going to navigate this. So, um, Brandon, did you have that microphone? Where did that, or Brandon's probably back there. He took the microphone. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to, I wasn't planning on having you guys come up here, but you're going to come up here. We'll use this one. Is it in the front? We found it. I see it now. Okay, so Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Psalm 19.1. Thank you. When we think about the truth of that, the creation declares the glory of God, the sky proclaims his handiwork. Evidence of God's existence is all around, right? Next one, Psalm 95, 3 through 6. Who's got that? For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his, dry, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Amen. Isaiah forty twenty six. Lift up your eyes and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Amen. In Psalm 8, 1 through 4. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Amen. So as we think about this, church, as we think about the truths talked about really throughout the Psalms and Isaiah, we can see this all over the place. There is a great hope 
that is found in the understanding that God is the one who created all things. He is the uncaused cause who has brought everything else into existence. And he holds it all in his own control. God created. Now our awe, sparked by the thought of God's sovereign hand over all created order, should ignite further when we consider the means by which God created. God said, and then he saw. In other words, God did not fumble around trying to figure out what was going to come into existence. And one of the things, if you, if you mark in your Bibles, I would challenge you as you study Scripture this week, go through and even put a box around every time in Genesis 1 that God, it says God said, God spoke. Because the powerful reality that comes out of that is the understanding that God spoke and it was. God said, and then he saw that which he said. God said, let there be light. What do you know? There was light. God saw that the light was good. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And he saw, it says there, and it was so, in verse 7. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered. Called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered. He called the seas. God saw that it was good over and over and over again. Now, when you read something, it's repeated in scripture. We should be going, oh, this is significant. Now, we can go a long ways of trying to explain how God actually came about creating things. And yet, if you, if you get stuck there, I'm going to refer you to Job when God himself tells Job, where were you when the foundations of the world were created? Where were you? And this is after Job is going, God, who are you? You've made, you know, my, I've been faithful and this is what my life has become. In other words, Job for a moment kind of took up the, the helm of saying, I'm going to be God for a second and discern that God, your plan stinks. And God's response is, well, where were you when there was nothing at all? God created, God said, and God saw. Now, one of the cool things you can note here, there is a direct correlation between that which God speaks into existence and that which he sees as good. See that? God said, and then God saw that it was good. There is a direct correlation between that which God speaks into existence and that which he sees as good. All the times that we see this happen. And this shifts, okay? We see God doing this over and over again through chapter 1. And we see this happening. And then when we get to chapter 2 and we start navigating some of this, we see that um, God not only... uh, God not only saw, but then it shifts. It shifts in there from, a, from creation uh, even to command. 
that God shifts from speaking things into existence to speaking specific instruction and commands. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Thirdly, God formed. Look at chapter 2, verse 7. This is, this is really interesting as it goes into more detail on when God formed man. It's starting, really starting in verse 5. It says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed, formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Now the reason I draw this out is there's something meticulous like a potter forming a clay pot where God creates man in his own image. There's a really important aspect of creation and the God who is where we step back and we understand that God created each one of you different than he created the rest of the world. Mankind is the only created being that bears the image of God. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, you are an image bearer of Creator God. And the very reason that God created man was to be in relationship with Himself which is the very reason that the greatest hope we have is found in the God who is. The greatest hope we have been given is through Christ who made a way for us to be present with the God who always has been. God carefully molded every one of you into creation, formed and placed you exactly as you are. And that's where the psalmist resounds and says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How can I have a hope that I am fearfully and wonderfully made? Because I bear the image of the God who is. God placed, verse, chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 15, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. The Lord God commanded, right after that in verse 16, and God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And in all of this, God blessed. Now, when we think about this, how many of you long for the blessing of God on your life? I, I, I'm going to guess 100% of you do. Okay? 
Now, what's really interesting about that, I don't know about you, but when I, when I was reading through this, I thought, who do we think we are to go in opposition to the commands of the God who spoke everything into existence? It's just a humbling conviction. If God always has been, it means he is beyond and larger than the universe at which we have no truly comprehensible idea as to how big it really is. This is the same God who not only spoke everything into existence, but created and formed you. And then you and I get this notion inside of ourselves to go, you know what? I don't think you're all that big. And this is 100% why I'm convinced that most of us are spiritual toddlers. Because I th- when I think about that, I think of one of my kids when they're like two years old. And they just look right at you and go, no. And the first time that happens, if you're a new parent, you're like, what, what just happened? Did, did that really come out of that little person? And I have to think that in some ways, God has to feel the same way sometimes. Here we are, minuscule. You look just in the scope of our world. And it doesn't take any amount of time at all if you zoom out and you get into the universe and all of a sudden, earth just is gone. It's a tiny speck. And you and I are tiny specks on the speck. And we have the audacity to come before God who's given us his word. He's given us his son. He's given us clear commands on how we're to live and how we're to act. And we go, no. Church family, that doesn't just happen for those who are apart from Christ. That's you and me. And can I just say, there should be a challenge in this that if God has commanded it, we ought to best to live it and if you want the blessing of the Lord in what you are doing he has made a way already for you to live under his blessing and it is his word read it study it internalize it live it out it will benefit In all of this, I just want to come back to this focus. The greatest hope for earth and everything in it is the simple truth that God is. We could debate a very long time about the days of creation. We could debate about the forming of man and created things. We could talk for hours and hours and hours about every intricacy. And I would tell you, if you're interested in going into the weeds of all of this, there are hundreds and hundreds of books you can read. But don't get so stuck in the weeds that you miss God in the process. Don't get so buried under trying to answer all of the intricacy detailed questions that you actually miss out on being in relationship with the one who's created you. Because what you're going to see as we go further into this is that's exactly what he has created you to do. To walk and live in relationship with him as the one who created all things and desires that you would have eternal life with him. And yet you're separated from him because of your sin. And so there is one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. 
the greatest hope for the earth and everything in it is the simple truth that God is. If God does not exist, you and I are left to confront the difficulties of this world on our own. If God does not exist, there is no hope for perfect judgment. If God does not exist, then this life is all there is. But because God is, we are simply tasked with walking in obedience to His purposes. Because God is, we can find hope in the truth that His, judge, that his judgment is perfect. Because God is, we discover joy that is eternal and unshakable, rooted in the promise of God that says, I love you, I have made a way for you through my Son so that you can be with me forever. The greatest hope for the earth, family, is rooted in the simple truth that God is. Do you believe that He is? Do you hold fast to the truth that He is? Does your life and the way you live declare that God is the ultimate authority and I will follow Him because there is nothing greater than His love? May this be true in your life, but may this be true of us, church family, that we begin at the beginning and saying we serve the God who is, who always has been, and who always will be faithful, and he has made a way for us. May we celebrate that. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. And we're actually going to sing, uh, in closing, we're going to sing a new song because uh, as we heard this uh, this week, um, it just spoke of this reality that God, the uncreated one. And so we're going to, the worship team is going to sing uh, the first verse of that and then going to invite you to join them in that as well. Um, let's solidify this by proclaiming these truths in song. Father, you are the one who is, may we celebrate that together and may we anticipate as we step into the coming weeks through Genesis to further understand and unpack not only who you are, but who you've called us to be in the process. For all of this, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.